السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد رسولہ کریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی امری وحل العقدتم السانی یفقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما کتاب الصلاة باب نمبر ایٹی سکس باب المسجدی تمسجد یقونو اٹ از فطریق ان دا وے میننگ ان اثر فیئر ان اے پلیس فرام وے دیر از ہائی ٹریفک من غیر دورن بناس ایز لانگ ایز دا پیپل ڈو ناٹ گیٹ ہرٹ بیکاز آف دیٹ میننگ اٹ از پرمیسبل ٹو بلڈ اے مسجد ان اے پلیس وے دیر از ہائی ٹریفک اراؤنڈ سچ اے پلیس ایز لانگ ایز دا پیپل ڈو ناٹ سفر بیکاز آف دیٹ But when people do suffer because of that, then alternate arrangements should be made or accommodations should be made so that the masjid is also running properly and at the same time, the people are also not suffering because of the masjid. وَبِهِ قَالَ And with this, قَالَ الْحَسَنُ وَأَيُّوبُ وَمَالِكُ Meaning all of them, they had this opinion that it's permissible to build a masjid in such a place as long as the people do not suffer. What's the evidence? حدثنا يحيى بن بكير قال حدثنا الليث عن عقيل عن ابن شهاب قال اخبرني عروه بن الزبير ان عائشه زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قالت عائشه رضي الله عنها she narrated that lam aqil i do not remember abawayya my parents abawayya two parents meaning my father and my mother illa except wahuma that both of them were yadinani They adopted religion, ad-deena, dadeen. Meaning, I always remember them to be Muslim. Meaning, you know when you think about your childhood memories? So she said that I always remember them to be following Islam, to be on this deen. وَلَمْ and did not يَمُرَّ it pass عَلَيْنَا upon us يَوْمٌ any day إِلَّا except يَأْتِينَا he would come to us فِيهِ in it رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When would he come? Tarafay, two ends, an-nahari of the day. Which two ends of the day? Bukratan in morning, wa'ashiyyatan and evening. Meaning, not even a single day passed except that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would visit us. Twice a day. Once in the morning and once in the evening. Summa then, bada, it appeared, li-abi bakrin to Abu Bakr. Meaning, he had an idea. What? He had this thought. That فَبْتَنَا So he built masjidan a masjid بِفِنَا إِدَارِهِ In the courtyard of his house. Meaning one day he had this thought that maybe that I should pray in my house and he made a masjid in the courtyard of his house. فَكَانَ So he used to يُصَلِّي He would perform salah فِيهِ in it وَيَقْرَأُ الْقُرْآنَ And he would recite the Qur'an. فَيَقِفُ عَلَيْهِ So they would pause. They would stop by. Who? نِسَاءُ الْمُشْرِكِينَ The women of the mushrikeen. وَأَبْنَاؤُهُمْ And their children. He was in an open place, in the courtyard. So he would stand there, perform salah, recite the Qur'an, and the passers-by, the women and the children especially, what would they do? They would stop in order to look at him, in order to see him. يَعْجَبُونَ مِنْهُ Amazed at him. وَيَنْظُرُونَ إِلَيْهِ And they would look at him. They would just stand there watching him amazed. وَكَانَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ And Abu Bakr was رَجُلًا أَمَانْ بَكَّاءً From the word buka. What does buka mean? To cry. So baka fa'al, meaning one who would cry a lot. So he would cry a lot. La yamliku aynayhi. He had no control over his eyes. Meaning he could not hold his tears back idha qara'a al-Qur'an when he would recite the Qur'an. And the women and the children, they would just stop and 
watch him in amazement fa'afza'a dhalika fa'afza'a so it frightened dhalika that ashraf quraish the elite the nobles of quraish min al-mushrikeen from the mushrikeen meaning this became a cause of concern for the leaders that our women and children are watching him they're getting influenced by his quran by his salah they're going to become muslim too so they were concerned but in this hadith what do we see that abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu at the very beginning we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would visit him every day twice and at that time abu bakr he appointed a masjid in his courtyard and a courtyard you know you don't don't think of it as a place that is walled necessarily it's quite possible that it's open and the people would pass by meaning it was a place from where the people would frequently go back and forth and their going back and forth did not get affected by his salah in the sense that it wasn't that the masjid was causing them any problems okay he was just standing there performing his salah and yes they would stand and watch but that was their choice they were not suffering because of his masjid and the fact that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would visit abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu so frequently and he did not stop him from it this shows that a masjid may be built in such a place as long as the people do not suffer because remember that the word masjid is understood in two ways one is that a building and secondly a place where you pray so it's quite possible that he just designated that place you know made it in such a way so that he could pray easily you know for example the floor is made smooth for instance and also you see over here the friendship of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that how he would visit him twice a day and this shows to us it's good to visit your friends because sometimes we just have you know conversations maybe over the phone or something or we know them through your workplace or something or your class but taking the effort to go visit somebody in their house is also necessary he was praying openly and this in itself was da'wah and uh, many times it seems like you know it, it feels like it's going to be embarrassing or it's going to be strange or people might get offended or they might get upset but no take that fear out of your mind and just focus on salah I remember recently we went on a family picnic and there were some friends as well and their son teenager he refused to pray anywhere why because somebody told him you're not supposed to pray in public because then you're showing off so because it was an open place he said I cannot pray here because then I will be showing off and he's going around looking for a secluded corner or something he wasted so much time in that but where do people understand this from from this hadith what do we see Abu Bakr radhiyallahu anhu is praying openly there are women and children passing by people are you know standing there staring at him but he's continuing with his prayer that how abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu is praying salah reciting quran mushrikeen women and children they're watching him and he doesn't object to them he just continues his prayer unfortunately what happens is that if there's a non muslim that comes to you know a gathering of knowledge or you know a masjid or something they're looked at as though they are not welcome so that turns them off and they do not want to come anymore but we see that abu bakr radhiyallahu anhu did not tell them anything to turn them away rather he just continued what he was doing bab as-salati fi masjid as-suqi as-sala performing the salah where fi masjid as-suq in the masjid of a marketplace so basically the question is is it permissible to pray in a marketplace because we know that the best places are what masajid and the worst places are what markets and you know markets are where shaitan is as well so is it permissible to pray in a market in a mall let's say you happen to be at a mall and the time for salah comes can you pray there yes you can 
meaning whether a place has been designated for salah within a marketplace or a place has not been designated. In either case, you can perform salah in the marketplace. وصلى and he prayed who ابن عون ابن عون في مسجد in a masjid في دار in a house he prayed in a masjid which was in a house what does it mean by that again don't think of masjid as a place that is built as a masjid like masajid of today masjid can also be understood as musalla meaning in a place of prayer in in a house يغلق it was locked it was closed عليهم upon them الباب the door meaning if somebody was inside the house then the door would be Closed. So, in other words, he prayed inside a house. The door was closed in a closed place. Can a person perform salah? Yes, they can. So, for example, you are in a mall in a marketplace, and there happens to be a small room over there. The door can close. Can you go inside that and pray salah? Of course, you can. Even though the surrounding areas may be of shav, but that place is of khair. Why? Because you're performing salah over there. Many times people do that. And these days, alhamdulillah for the blessing of family rooms. That where there's, you know, the floor is absolutely clean. There's no music over there also, most of the time. And you can pray there very, very easily. Because there's also privacy. You know, the door is closed. You can even perform salah over there. And this also shows that because... يُغْلَقُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْبَابِ It shows that they prayed in jama'ah at home, not in a masjid. So if a person happens to be somewhere where there are other people as well, other Muslims as well, for example, in a marketplace, and the time for salah comes in, and the masjid is far, for instance, can they pray in congregation at the mall? Yes, they can. At the marketplace? Yes, they can. Definitely this is permissible. And sometimes you'll see that in Muslim countries, in huge marketplaces there are You know, certain stores, you know, or let's say the basement or a certain level, a certain room is reserved for salah. So at the time of prayer, everybody gathers up over there and performs salah. And from this, by extension, we can also learn that at a workplace, you know, at a workplace, if there's many Muslims over there, can they pray together in Jamara? Yes. And even if the door closes? Yes. Whether it's openly or privately, it is permissible to do that. You might say, but this is quite obvious. Have you ever thought about this? That It's so obvious. Why is Imam Bukhari mentioning all of these points one by one? Because sometimes, despite it being obvious, when the time to pray comes and we happen to be in such a situation, in such a place, then we hesitate. We hesitate or we have doubts or we feel shy. So all of these ahadiths, what do they prove to us? That we should, you know, when the time comes for prayer, just pray. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا أبو معاوية عن الأعمش عن أبي صالح عن أبي هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said صلاة الجميع صلاة the prayer of الجميع collective meaning congregational salah when people pray together in jama'ah تزيد it increases على صلاته on his salah في بيته in his house meaning it is more in reward compared to his salah in his house. If a person performs salah in jama'ah, that is more, greater, in reward compared to salah in the house. وَصَلَاتِهِ فِي سُوقِهِ And his salah in his suq, in his marketplace. If you're in the car, you're driving, or somebody else is driving, and it's time to pray fard salah, then you should not pray in the car. Then you should stop the car and pray on the side. And if, let's say it is not possible at all, you happen to be on a highway in the middle, 
and it seems to be very very slow and you feel as though your salah will go by the time you will be able to stop somewhere then you can pray in the car in that situation only if you are able to stop the car then you have to stop you must but if you are not able to like for example a person happens to be in an airplane you can't tell the pilot to land because you need to pray then you pray in the airplane sitting so just like that you will pray in the car sitting when you are not able to stop at all when you have no choice exactly whether car airplane bus if you're able to stop the vehicle then you must do so but if it's not in your control you cannot stop the vehicle and if you wait until the vehicle stops and you will miss your salah by then then what should you do wherever you are pray then you will pray standing so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said salatul jami'i tazidu ala salatihi fi baytihi that congregational salah is more in reward compared to salah in his house وَصَلَاتِهِ فِي سُوقِهِ And his salah in his marketplace. Meaning a person has a shop or something, has a store, he's at that store, time for salah comes, he prays there. Okay, it's fine. However, if he were to go and pray in Jama'ah, that would be more. More in reward. By how much? خَمْسًا وَعِشْرِينَ دَرَجَةً 25 times. Meaning 25 ranks. More. In other versions we learn about 27. فَإِنَّ أَحَدَكُمْ For indeed one of you, إِذَا تَوَضَّأَ When he performs wudu, فَأَحْسَنَ And he does well in performing his wudu. وَأَتَى الْمَسْجِدَ And he comes to the masjid. لَا يُرِيدُ إِلَّا الصَّلَاةَ He does not intend anything but prayer. Meaning the only reason why he comes to the masjid is so he can perform salah. Then لَمْ يَخْطُ خُطْوَةً He does not take any step إِلَّا except رَفَعَهُ اللَّهُ بِهَا دَرَجَةً Allah raises him For that one step what? Darajah. Meaning for every step he takes towards the masjid, one rank is raised. وَحَطَّ عَنْهُ خَطِيئًا And he erases from him a sin. So imagine every step that is taken towards the masjid, one rank is raised and one sin is erased. حَتَّى أَنْتِلْ يَدْخُلَ الْمَسْجِدِ He enters the masjid. This is why? Even if a person happens to be far from the masjid and he still makes the effort to go, then there is more benefit, more reward. وَإِذَا دَخَلَ الْمَسْجِدَ And when he enters the masjid, كَانَ فِي صَلَاةٍ He is in the salah, مَا كَانَتْ تَحْبِسُهُ As long as it keeps him. وَتُصَلِّ And he prays, يَعْنِي عَلَيْهِ وَتُصَلِّ And he prays, يَعْنِي عَلَيْهِ On him, who? الْمَلَائِكَةُ The angels. مَا دَامَ فِي مَجْلِسِهِ As long as he remains in his majlis. What does it mean by majlis? The place where he is sitting. الَّذِي يُصَلِّ فِيهِ Where he performed the salah. What do the angels say? What dua do they make for him? اللَّهُمَّ اغْفِرْ لَهُ O Allah forgive him. اللَّهُمَّ ارْحَمْهُ O Allah have mercy on him. And they keep making this dua for him. مَا لَمْ يُحْدِثْ فِيهِ As long as he does not lose his wudu while he is sitting on that spot. Now there is a number of things over here. First of all we see that performing salah in congregation brings more reward compared to performing where? At your home or at your workplace, at the marketplace. So in other words, there is a difference between praying wherever you are and making the effort to go to the masjid and perform salah over there. Both are permissible. Both are valid. Salah will be valid. However, one is afbal. One is superior. It is much better. What is much better? Going to the masjid and performing salah over there. And for every step that a person takes, because sometimes a person might say, 
takes me 10 minutes to drive to the masjid. It takes me 15 minutes. You know, we should really pay attention to these ahadiths because we have to encourage our men. Hmm? Because sometimes they get discouraged. It's 15 minutes. 15 minutes one way, 15 minutes the other way, 15 minutes there, 45 minutes gone. But imagine for every step that is taken, hmm? and Allahu A'lam, Allah is generous in His reward. Uh, yes, people would walk back then, and today people drive or something. You can be hopeful, you can expect reward from Allah that for every you know, turning of the wheel, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, increase in daraja and erase a sin. That some people, they would take very small steps towards a masjid just so that they would have more steps, so that there is more sins forgiven and more darajat that are elevated. That jama'ah can be performed at home as well. Like for example, if there are two, three men, I happen to live in the same house. They can pray in Jama'ah. Okay. But the reward of going to the masjid, they will miss out on that. Because going to the masjid, that brings different kind of reward. For every step, there is reward. As long as it's within the time of salah, over here in this hadith, the reward is of masjid. Praying in the masjid. Going to the masjid and performing salah over there in Jama'ah. And in this hadith, we also see that وَإِذَا دَخَلَ الْمَسْجِدَ كَانَ فِي صَلَاتٍ مَا كَانَ تَحْبِسُهُ When he enters a masjid, he is as though performing salah. Meaning, if a person happens to enter the masjid 15 minutes before the jama'ah begins, all those 15 minutes are spent as though he is praying salah. They are also counted as ibadah. Because he is in that state of ibadah. And after the salah, if he remains sitting in that place, as long as he doesn't break wudu and as long as he doesn't get up, the angels are constantly making dua for him. Allahumma khfirlahu, Allahumma rahamuhu. Bab tashbik al-asabi'i fil masjidi wa ghayrihi. Tashbik, intertwining what? Al-asabi'i, the fingers, where? Fil masjid, in the masjid, wa ghayrihi, and elsewhere. What does it mean by tashbik? Tashbik is to lace the fingers, intertwine the fingers together. Those of you who are online, I recommend that you Google the word tashbik in images and you will find a picture inshallah. So it is to intertwine the fingers. Okay? So intertwining the fingers when a person is in the masjid or elsewhere. Is it permissible or is it not permissible? Hmm? Let's find out. Haddathana Hamid ibn Umar an Bishrin Haddathana Asimun Haddathana Waqid an Abihi an ibn Umar aw ibn Amrin that shabbaka an-nabiy sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asabi'ahu that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he intertwined his fingers so if he did it what does it mean that it is permissible to intertwine the fingers to lace them wa qala asim ibn ali haddathana asim ibn muhammad sami'tu hadha al-haditha min abi falam ahfadhu he said that i heard this hadith from my father but i did not memorize it faqawwamahu li so he fixed it for me meaning he made me remember and understand correctly waqidun an abihi that qala sami'tu abi wa huwa yaqulu qala abdullah qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said ya abdullah ibn amr o abdullah ibn amr notice it is amr not umar kayfa bika what will happen to you إِذَا بَقِيتَ When you will remain فِي حُثَالَةٍ In the حُثَالَة The scum The dregs مِنَ النَّاسِ Of the people بِهَذَا With this 
Meaning, what will happen to you when you remain in people who are like scum? And he intertwined his fingers at that time. I do not know if you have these wordings in the hadith, but in other versions of Bukhari, we learn that Shabbaka, the Prophet ﷺ, he intertwined his fingers when he said this. That, oh, Abdullah bin Amr, what will happen to you when you remain in the dregs of people and the people are like this? What does it mean by this action, intertwining the fingers? That when they're like conflicting with each other, when they're constantly fighting with one another, when their matters are all confused, there's no unity, there's no leadership, there's no sincerity for one another, they're constantly coming against each other. You know like fingers coming against others? Like constant conflicts. And when you are amongst the people, and the Prophet ﷺ described the people as huthalatim bin nas. Huthala is basically the scraps. Okay? Or discard. Meaning something that is garbage, literally. When such people are existing, and they're constantly fighting with one another, and you are amongst them, what will happen to you? As if he's saying that you will be such a misfit. You'll be such a misfit. You'll be so different from the rest of the people. You know like in hadith we don't ghuraba, strangers? That you're so different from them, what will happen to you when you see all that? When people are arguing and fighting and there's no unity amongst them, what will happen to you? It's as though he was showing pity and concern. Yes, obviously, because people who are of noble character, they don't engage in such things. Right? Meaning even if they have differences, they do not fight with each other. I mean, they're still respectful with each other. So basically, this is indication of the fitna that came after the life of the Prophet ﷺ. That fighting with each other, constantly you know, engaging in conflicts with other people, whether it's verbal or in action or in, in any way, this is something that does not befit a person of noble character. So in this, what do we see? That he intertwined his fingers. Because the point is to show that the Prophet ﷺ intertwined his fingers. Fi ghayrihi as well, right? Not just in masjid, but also ghayrihi. وغيرihi. حدثنا خلاد بن يحيى قال حدثنا سفيان عن أبي بردة عن عبد الله بن أبي بردة عن جده عن أبي موسى عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said إن المؤمن indeed the believer للمؤمن to the believer كالبنيان like a building يشد it strengthens بعضه some of it بعضا others meaning a part of a building it strengthens other parts of the building this is how a believer is to his brother, that he strengthens his brother. And while he said this, he intertwined his fingers. Now over here, he intertwined his fingers to show unity and strength. Because if you think about it, one hand, when the fingers are intertwined with the fingers of the other hand, then what happens? It strengthens the other hand. Because all of a sudden you have more force. When people have to make a human chain, what do they do? They interlock the arms and also they join their hands together in this way because when you've laced your fingers together, you really strengthen the hands. Then you can really keep them together. So this is how a believer is to his brother, that he strengthens the other. And when this is missing in people, then what does that show? That Islam is there, but Iman is weak. Because this is how a mu'min is. So we all need to analyze ourselves that my words 
my actions are they a means of strengthening other people or making them weak because sometimes the kind of words that we may say to others the kind of comments you know a message an email it could really dishearten a person it could really weaken them all the energy and the motivation that they may have they lose it completely sometimes it's the attitude sometimes it's the actions so a believer is supposed to be a source of strength and energy for the other not someone who would demotivate them and weaken them and since this is the time of muharram the month of muharram muharram ul haram sacred month and this reminds us that while there are certain times which are sacred there's also certain people that are sacred and amongst the people who are sacred is who the believer right because a believer his honor his property his life is sacred more than the sanctity of the kaaba in hadith we learn more than the sanctity of the kaaba in a hadith we learn the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said a muslim is one from whose tongue and hand other muslims are safe and a believer is one in whom people place their trust in regard to their life and wealth muslim ahmad there is a difference between being just a muslim and mu'min Muslim is who? People are safe from his tongue and hands. Mu'min is who? That people, they have confidence in him. They trust him. That yes, my property, my life is safe when I'm around this person. That is a mu'min. So a mu'min becomes what? A source of strength for others. A source of confidence for others. A source of motivation for others. In another hadith we learned, the Prophet ﷺ said, the best of you are those who when seen are a means of remembering Allah. So strength, spiritual strength, spiritual motivation, right? And the worst of you are those who go about with calumnies, those who cause discord between friends and seek flaws in the innocent. A source of creating weakness. So who's the best person? The one who strengthens others. And who's the worst person? The one who weakens others. This is also Mustafa Ahmad. حدثنا إسحاق قال حدثنا ابن شميل أخبرنا ابن عون عن ابن سيرين عن أبي هريرة قال he said صلى بنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم prayed with us إحدى one of صلاتي the two prayers of العشي the evening he performed one of the two evening prayers with us قال ابن سيرين سماها أبو هريرة أبو هريرة mentioned that particular صلاة ولكن نسيت أنا but I forgot whether it was Maghrib or Isha, I forgot. Qala, he said, فَصَلَّى بِنَا رَكَعَتَيْنِ He said, so he prayed with us two raka'a, ثُمَّ سَلَّمَ And then he said the salam. Whereas Isha, how many raka'at are there? Four. So he prayed two, and he said the salam. فَقَامَ Then he stood. إِلَى خَشَبَةٍ He rose and he went towards a piece of wood, مَعْرُوضَةٍ That was مَعْرُوضَة That was lying where fil masjid in the masjid meaning it was lying at an angle it was lying at an angle in the masjid fattaka alayha and then he reclined against it so imagine a piece of wood the side of the masjid he just went to it and he reclined against it ka'annahu ghabban as if he was upset there was something wrong because this was not normal the prophet sallallahu what was his usual habit when he would say the salam he would turn around and face the people this time what did he do he got up And he went and stood on the side and reclined. 
and wawada'a and he placed yadahu al-yumna his right hand ala al-yusra on his left hand wa shabbaka bayna asabi'ihi and he intertwined his fingers so he brought both of his hands together and he intertwined the fingers wa wada'a and he placed khaddahu his cheek which cheek al ayman the right one he placed his right cheek where ala upon dhahri the surface of kaffihi his back al yusra the left meaning on the back of his left hand so he placed his right cheek on the back of his left hand so do that when would you do that it's like when you're deep in thought when you're sad you're thinking there's something wrong something's not right so he's reclining and this is what he did as if he's just lost in his thoughts كَأَنَّهُ غَبَّانَ as they described so what happened when the people saw this وَخَرَجَتْ and it left السَّرْعَانَ the quick ones being the people left quickly مِنْ أَبْوَابِ الْمَسْجِدِ from the doors of the masjid فَقَالُوا and they said قَصُرَتِ الصَّلَاةِ the salah has been shortened so the people left quickly and they said salah has been shortened the Prophet ﷺ prayed only two not four وَفِي الْقَوْمِ and amongst the people was who? Abu Bakr wa Umar Abu Bakr and Umar فَهَابَ But they were also afraid أَن يُكَلِّمَاهُ That they speak to him They were also afraid of talking to the Prophet ﷺ Imagine how close they were to him Yet they were afraid to speak to him Because he did not look happy He looked upset وَفِي الْقَوْمِ And in the people was also رَجُلٌ أَمَانٌ فِي يَدَيْهِ In his hands طُولٌ length Meaning his, his hands were very long Who was this man? يُقَالُ لَهُ He was called ذُلْ يَدَيْنِ He was called ذُلْ يَدَيْنِ Have you heard of him? No? So يُقَالُ لَهُ ذُلْ يَدَيْنِ He was called ذُلْ يَدَيْنِ قَالَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ He spoke up. He said, O Messenger of Allah, أَنَسِيتَ Did you forget? أَمْ قَصُرَتِ الصَّلَاةِ Or has the salah been shortened? Did you forget to pray all four? Or is it that the salah has been shortened? قَالَ The Prophet said, لَمْ أَنْسَ I did not forget وَلَمْ تُقْصَرْ And it has not been shortened. فَقَالَ So he said, the Prophet ﷺ, he addressed other people and he asked them, أَكَمَا يَقُولُ ذُو الْيَدَيْنِ Is it as ذُو الْيَدَيْنِ says, that I prayed less, I didn't pray the entire salah? فَقَالُوا نَعْمْ So they said yes. فَتَقَدَّمَ So he came, فَصَلَّى Then he performed the salah. Which one? مَا تَرَكَ That which he had left. Meaning he completed what he had left. ثُمَّ سَلَّمَ Then he said the salah. So in other words, he performed the two remaining and then he said the salam. ثُمَّ كَبَّرَ After saying the salam, ثُمَّ كَبَّرَ He said the takbir, he said Allahu Akbar وَسَجَدَ And he performed sajda. So he said Allahu Akbar and went into sajda. And this sajda was mithla like sujudihi, his normal sajda. Meaning it was long, it was as long as he would normally prostrate for. أو أطول Or longer. So it was, the length of it was his average sajda or slightly longer. Summa then rafa'a ra'sahu, he raised his head wa kabbara and he said takbir. Meaning he got up from sajda saying Allahu Akbar. Summa kabbara, then he said Allahu Akbar again wa sajda and he went down into sajda again, mithla sujudihi, like his sajda or atwal or longer. Summa rafa'a ra'sahu wa kabbara, then he got up again. How? He said takbir. Farubbama sa'aluhu, so they also asked him, summa sallama, that he said the salam again. 
فَيَقُولُ He said, نُبِئْتُ Meaning the narrator is saying, He said that I was informed أَنَّ عِمْرَانَ بْنَ حُسَيْنًا قَالَ ثُمَّ سَلَّمَ That he said that the Prophet ﷺ said, Salam again. So, what do we learn over here? The Prophet ﷺ, he forgot to pray two rak'at or one rak'at, Allahu A'lam, whichever one, Maghrib or Isha. And what happened? He was not aware. And when the people informed him, what did he do? He went and completed the salah. And after that, he performed two sajda. And these sajda are of sahu. And he said the salam after the sajda sahu. Right? And he also said one before. So this is also permissible. It seems like the rest of the people followed him. Because obviously he led them in the prayer. So they had to complete their prayer as well. One thing I'd like you to notice over here, and I'm sure you did, that the Prophet ﷺ was upset when he got up. When he finished the salah, made a mistake, right? And he was upset. He was not happy. He was deep in thought. Why? The thing is that it is of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when we make a mistake, even unintentionally, then what happens is that our heart is not at ease. We're just not happy inside. This is something natural that happens. Person cannot relax, they cannot enjoy. There's just this guilt or you're just unhappy, you're unsatisfied. Until Allah, with His mercy and His blessing upon us, He points to us our mistake. And then when we fix that, then we can relax and we can be happy. Because it seems from the narration that there was no obvious reason for the Prophet ﷺ to do that. No reason. Because all of a sudden he prays only two rakar and he gets up and he leaves. Everybody is afraid what's going on. People leave quickly. Even Abu Bakr and Umar are afraid. Even they don't want to go up to him and ask him what happened. So it seems like this was a result of the salah not being complete. It was an unintentional mistake. Human beings make mistakes. Right? And it is of the mercy of Allah that He makes us realize we have done something wrong with that feeling of unhappiness and guilt in the heart. So whenever you're feeling unhappy, dissatisfied, you have the most amazing food in front of you, everything's fine, we just feel like crying and crying for no reason then realize that something wrong has happened and start doing istighfar. Human beings make mistakes, right? No matter who they are, no matter where they're standing, no matter what kind of work they're doing, no matter what kind of level they may have, at the end of the day, they are human beings. They are the children of Adam. And all of the children of Adam, they are khata'un. They make mistakes. So if somebody has made a mistake, and you don't even know if they've made a mistake or is it actually like that, you're unsure. What's your responsibility? That you go and inform them about it. And figure out an appropriate way of talking to them. Like look at the way Dulia Dain, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, has the salah been shortened? You know, ask a question or something, but make sure that the mistake is pointed out for their good and for the good of the rest of the people. Not in this context, but there are many ahadiths from which we learned that the Prophet ﷺ did forget to complete his prayer. And he said afterwards that I am a human being. So just like other people forget, he also forgot. And this is normal. So if this does happen to a person that they complete the prayer and somebody tells them you prayed only two, or you prayed six instead of four, it's okay because you are a human being. It happens. It's normal. But if it's happening consistently, regularly, then there is a problem. Then we need to focus on salah more. One more lesson that we learn here is that he didn't repeat the entire prayer. He just completed what was left out accidentally. Even though he spoke in the middle, even though he got up and left. But still he did not repeat that entire prayer. He just completed what was missed.
if you see someone upset or sad, don't just be concerned about yourself. Be concerned for them as well. Because sometimes we're afraid to approach people when they're upset out of this fear that they're going to be angry with me. But our concern should be what? We need to comfort them as well. Just this morning I read an article and it was titled that marriage is not for you. And I'm wondering, why did this person send it to me? Hmm? Marriage is not for you. And because they said that marriage is not for you, it's for the person whom you marry. Because when people get married, they look at marriage very selfishly, that what's in it for me? But when a person gets married, you should be thinking, what's in it for the other person? How can I make them happy? How can I have a family? How can I have this person be a part of my family and be a part of their family? So marriage is not for you in the sense that don't think it's all about you. It's about others as well. And this is a very important lesson that we learn generally in life, that in any relationship, any kind of interaction that we have with others, let's just not think about ourselves and think about others as well. Now, all of these ahadiths that we've studied so far under this heading, what do they prove? That the Prophet ﷺ intertwined his fingers and this shows that you can intertwine your fingers whether you're in the masjid or you are outside of the masjid. So why is Imam Bukhari mentioning this? Isn't it quite obvious? Why is this a cause of concern that he has to prove it? Because there are other narrations that tell us that intertwining fingers in the masjid is not correct. Hmm? But at the same time, these ahadiths are also present. So it seems like there is a contradiction. Hmm? So the ulama, they have said that there is no harm in intertwining the fingers after the salah. Because that is what the Prophet ﷺ did. He intertwined the fingers when? After the salah. He got up, went off to the side, reclined, and intertwined his fingers. However, when it comes to before the salah, or during the salah, then it's not allowed. It is disliked rather. Why? Because of a hadith that has been reported concerning this matter, Karbin Ujra narrated that I heard the Messenger of Allah saying, if one of you makes wudu, then goes to the masjid for salah, then let him not clasp his hands together. Meaning, let him not intertwine his fingers. Why? Because he is in the salah. And this hadith has been reported by Ahmad, Abu Dawood, At-Tirmidhi, and some other narrations as well. Another narration, if one of you makes wudu in his house, then comes to the masjid, he is in salah until he returns. Therefore, do not do like this. Meaning, do not clasp your hands together, intertwining your fingers. So, from this, the ulama have said that if a person goes to the masjid to perform salah, he is in the masjid, and he's waiting for salah, then he should not sit back and intertwine his fingers. Why? Because when you will intertwine your fingers, then what does that show? That you are very relaxed or, you know, careless. And when you will intertwine your fingers, then what's the next step? People start playing with their fingers and their knuckles and they start cracking them, right? So, like, it shows that a person is kind of heedless. And when you're waiting for salah, you should not be like that. You should be attentive. Because you are in the state of salah. So, in the masjid, while waiting for the salah, it is disliked. Again, remember, it's not haram, it's just disliked. During the salah, again, it is disliked, it is makruh. After salah, and outside of the masjid, it is permissible. It is mubah. So, what's the main lesson from all of these ahadith? That any gesture, any action, as long as it's maruf, 
it's permissible. But if it shows heedlessness, if it shows carelessness, then it should be avoided. Whether it's in the manner that you put your hands together or in the manner that you're sitting or you're lying down, you know, you have to be considered of where you are, what you're about to do, and make sure that your body language is appropriate. Bab al-Masajid, the mosques, allati which ala turuq al-Madina, on the roads of Medina. The roads of Medina being the roads that are outside of Medina, the roads that lead to Medina. Wal-Mawadir, and the places, allati which salla fiha al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prayed. So the Masajid, which are situated where? On the roads, the various roads that lead to Medina. And the specific places where the Prophet ﷺ performed the salah. حدثنا محمد بن أبي بكر المقدمي قال حدثنا فضيل بن سليمان قال حدثنا موسى بن عقبة قال رأيت I saw سالم بن عبد الله سالم بن عبد الله. This is Salim bin Abdullah bin Umar رضي الله عنه. So he said that I saw him يتحرى. He would exert a lot of effort. He would look out for. Yatahara from Tahari basically gives three meanings. Yajtahid, that he would strive. Yaqsud, he would aim for. Yaqtab, that he would choose. So it gives a combination of all these meanings. Yajtahid, Yaqsud, Yaqtab. That he would look out for and he would choose those very places, amakin places, minat tariq, from the way, fayusalli fiha, and he would pray there. Why would he look for those specific places and stop there and pray salah and only there and not five feet away from that? Why? وَيُحَدِّثُ And he would narrate أَنَّ أَبَاهُ That his father, who was his father? Abdullah bin Umar. His father كَانَ يُصَلِّ فِيهَا He would perform salah in those places. Why? Because وَأَنَّهُ رَأَى النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصَلِّ فِي because he saw the Prophet ﷺ performing salah in those places. وَحَدَّثَنِي نَافِعٌ عَنْ إِبْنِ عُمَرَ أَنَّهُ كَانَ يُصَلِّ فِي تِلْكَ الْأَمْكِنَةِ And Nafi' also narrated to me from Ibn Umar that he used to pray in those places. وَسَأَلْتُ سَالِمًا And I asked Salim, the narrator is saying, فَلَا أَعْلَمُهُ So I do not know إِلَّا except وَفَقَ نَافِعٌ He conformed with Nafi' فِي الْأَمْكِنَةِ In the places كُلِّهَا All of them. إِلَّا except أَنَّهُمَا That both of them اختلفا, They differed في مسجد Concerning one masjid Which was where? بِشَرَفِ الرَّوْحَى At the hill of الرَّوْحَى Meaning both Nafir and Salim Both of them They agreed upon All of these places Where the Prophet ﷺ stopped and prayed Except for one place Which was at the hill of Rauha About that they differed What's the point of this hadith? This hadith basically shows to us that how Ibn Umar anhu he followed the Prophet so much that he also did his ittibar in performing salah at the same place. That he preferred to pray exactly where the Prophet prayed salah. So much so that he had memorized the places. He knew about the exact spot. And in the following narrations, you will be amazed at how those specific locations are described under that tree, by that riverbed, close to this place. Because at that time, obviously, there were no streets, like streets in the sense that no names. And they would remember those places by landmarks, natural landmarks. And he had remembered all those places. 
and his student Nafi and his son Salim, both of them, they saw this. So much so that Salim, his son, also developed that habit that whenever he would be traveling outside of Medina and he happened to pass by a place where the Prophet ﷺ prayed salah, he would make an effort to pray over there too. The thing is that when a person performs salah somewhere, then yes, that place will be you know, a witness for him, inshallah, on the Day of Judgment. However, remember that it's not necessary because the Prophet ﷺ did not instruct the companions that you should pray exactly where I'm praying. It's not necessary to do that. We are supposed to follow him in many ways. However, in this way, it's not necessary. But Ibn Umar, he used to love to follow the Prophet in every single way. So much so that even the sandals that he wore were like the sandals that the Prophet used to wear. Why? Because he loved the Prophet. And imagine if he was traveling and he passed by a spot and you remember the Prophet stopped and prayed there. He would go and pray there too. This was out of love for him. Not because that place became extremely holy or something like that. No. That place is still normal. However, in his love for the Prophet ﷺ, he did that. That It happens many times that people follow others in certain ways unintentionally. Without even thinking deliberately. And other people, if they see you doing something, and, and they might find it very strange, but you're like, but this is how my mom always did it. This is how... My dad always did it, so this is how I do it too. It happens naturally. And someone whom you love, someone whom you look up to, you start following them in ways that, you know, that they're not telling you to follow you in, but you start following them. Right? Just out of love and respect for them. Now, in the following ahadith, or one long ahadith that you may have, depending on the version that you have, the precise locations and times when the Prophet ﷺ prayed in certain places are described. If I translate every word, it's going to take very long and it's going to get very complicated. Why? Because places are described which we are very unfamiliar with. Landmarks are described which we have probably never seen, we cannot imagine. So it will be very difficult for us to understand this exactly as is. This is why what I'm going to do inshallah is I'm going to read a chunk of the Arabic and then read the translation. Just so that we are not deprived of this knowledge completely, we still familiarize ourselves with that. And also I'm not going to go into too much detail because these places are now changed. That tree that was there is no longer there. That riverbed that was there is no longer there. And since it doesn't have anything to do with our actions directly, this is why we're not going to spend too much time on it. However, we're still going to read it, just like Imam Bukhari still quoted it, to learn a very, very important lesson, which is about the ittibar of the Prophet ﷺ that the companions did. That what length they went into just to follow the Prophet ﷺ. And how much they loved him that they observed these details about him too. حدثنا إبراهيم بن المنذر قال حدثنا أنس بن عياض قال حدثنا موسى بن عقبة عن نافع أن عبد الله أخبره أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان ينزل بذي الحليفة حين يعتمر وفي حجته حين حج. تحت سمرة في موضع المسجد الذي بذي الحليفة وكان إذا رجع من غزو كان في تلك الطريق أو حج أو عمرة هبط من بطن واد فإذا ظهر من بطن واد أناخ بالبطحاء التي على شفير الواد الشرقية فعرس ثم حتى يصبح 
It is related from Abdullah that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to stop at Dhul Hulayfa. Have you heard of this? What is Dhul Hulayfa? Miqat for the people of Medina. A place that is at a very short distance from Medina and the people of Medina when they're going for Umrah for Hajj they stop over there in order to put on their ihram. So the Prophet ﷺ used to stop at Zul Hulayfa when he performed Umrah or Hajj under an acacia tree at the spot where the mosque is in Zul Hulayfa. Meaning now the mosque is there, however at that time, under that acacia tree, the Prophet ﷺ used to stop. And when he returned from an expedition or was coming from Hajj or Umrah and was on that same road, he came down along the riverbed and emerged from it and would make his camel kneel at the dip which is on the eastern side of the riverbed. He stayed there until morning, not at the mosque which is by the rocks, nor on the hill with the mosque on it. Meaning now you see all these mosques, at that time there was no mosque. There was a water channel there where Abdullah prayed with sand heaps in it. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, used to pray there. Where? That riverbed, meaning where the flood would pass by and then eventually when the water would dry, that place that was smoothened, that's where he used to pray. And Abdullah, he would also pray there. The flood water drove the pebbles down until the place where Abdullah used to pray was buried. So now that place is gone. But we see that Abdullah ibn Umar anhu, because of his love for the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed there and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the chance to do that. But soon after him that place was lost. How? It was buried. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ صَلَّى حَيْثُ الْمَسْجِدُ الصَّغِيرُ الَّذِي دُونَ الْمَسْجِدِ الَّذِي بِشَرَفِ الرَّوْحَاءِ وَقَدْ كَانَ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ يَعْلَمُ الْمَكَانَ الَّذِي كَانَ صَلَّى فِيهِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ ثَمَّ عَنْ يَمِينِكَ حين تقوم في المسجد تصلي وذلك المسجد على حافة الطريق اليمنى وأنت ذاهب إلى مكة بينه وبين المسجد الأكبر رمية بحجر أو نحو ذلك عبد الله related that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم prayed at the site of the small mosque which is below the mosque at the hill at Al-Rawha Abdullah knew the place where the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم had prayed he said, it is on your right when you are standing in prayer in the mosque. Because now there is a mosque there. So if you are standing in prayer in the mosque, that place where the Prophet ﷺ prayed, where is that? On your right. That mosque is on the right hand side of the road when you are going to Makkah. A stone's throw or thereabouts from the largest mosque. So meaning it's just a small distance away from the mosque which is now there. وَأَنَّ ابْنَ عُمَرَ كَانَ يُصَلِّي إِلَى الْعِرْقِ الَّذِي عِنْدَ مُنْصَرَفِ الرَّوْحَاءِ وَذَلِكَ الْعِرْقُ انْتِهَاءُ طَرَفِهِ عَلَى حَافَةِ الطَّرِيقِ دُونَ الْمَسْجِدِ الَّذِي بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْمُنْصَرَفِ وَأَنْتَ ذَاهِبٌ إِلَى مَكَّةَ وَقَدْ بِتُنِيَ ثَمَّ مَسْجِدٌ فَلَمْ يَكُنْ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يُصَلِّي فِي ذَلِكَ المسجد كان يتركه عن يساره ووراءه ويصلي أمامه إلى العرق نفسه وكان عبد الله يروح من الروحاء فلا يصلي الظهر حتى يأتي ذلك المكان ف 
Abdullah did not pray in that mosque. He left it to his left and behind him. And he prayed in front of it toward the mountain itself. Why? Because that's where the Prophet ﷺ prayed. So even though there was a place that was built now for the convenience of people, there may be a ceiling over there, the floor may be smoothened, he didn't bother to pray inside there. No. He prayed exactly where the Prophet ﷺ prayed. Abdullah came back from Aroha and did not pray Zuhur until he came to that place where he prayed. And if he was coming from Makkah and passed by it an hour before Subh or at the end of the night, he stopped until he could pray the morning prayer there. Meaning if he happened to pass by such a place a little early, a little before Fajr time, what would he do? He would stop there, wait until the time of Salah would enter and then perform Salah and then leave. It seems like he traveled with the Prophet ﷺ and he saw where the Prophet ﷺ prayed. And especially because this is the route between Medina and Makkah, right? And the Prophet ﷺ went for Hajj, Hajjatul Wada. And at that time, Abdullah bin Umar followed him, right? So much so that when the Prophet ﷺ went into the Kaaba, he also followed. That was perhaps later, but Allahu A'lam, Abdullah bin Umar, he followed the Prophet ﷺ. At that journey. So he knew exactly where the Prophet ﷺ stopped and prayed. And he paid so much attention to it. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ كَانَ يَنْزِلُ تَحْتَ سَرْحَةٍ ضَخْمَةٍ دُونَ الرُّوَيْثَةِ عَنْ يَمِينِ الطَّرِيقِ وَوِجَاهَ الطَّرِيقِ فِي مَكَانٍ بَطْحٍ سَهْلٍ حَتَّى يُفْضِيَ مِنْ أَكَمَةٍ دُوَيْنَ بَرِيدِ فانثنى في جوفها وهي قائمة على ساق وفي ساقها كثب كثيرة عبد الله related that the Prophet ﷺ used to alight under a large surge tree and that's where he used to take rest below الرويثة on the right hand side of the road so exact location facing the road in a wide level place and go until he emerged from the small hill about two miles below the road of الرويثة the top of it is now broken and inclines inward it stands on a flat place where there are many sand dunes. So the exact locations they memorized. The Prophet ﷺ, if he was traveling with some people, then yes, they would have prayed together in congregation. So that reinforced you know, Abdullah ibn Umar that yes, this is the exact place where they prayed. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ صَلَّى فِي طَرَفِ تَلْعَةٍ مِنْ وَرَاءِ الْعَرْجِ وَأَنْتَ ذَاهِبٌ إِلَى هَضْبَةٍ عِنْدَ ذَلِكَ الْمَسْجِدِ قَبْرَانَ أَوْ ثَلَاثَ عَلَى الْقُبُورِ رَضْمٌ مِنْ حِجَارَةٍ عَنْ يَمِينِ الطَّرِيقِ عِنْدَ سَلِمَاتِ الطَّرِيقِ بَيْنَ أُولَئِكَ السَّلِمَاتِ كَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يَرُوحُ مِنَ الْعَرْجِ بَعْدَ أَنْ تَمِيلَ الشَّمْسُ بِالْهَاجِرَةِ فَيُصَلِّي الظُّهْرَ فِي ذَلِكَ الْمَسْجِدِ Abdullah related that the Prophet ﷺ prayed at the end of the upper part of the valley behind Al-Arj if you are on the way to Habba. There are two or three graves by that mosque on which are piles of stones to the right of the path at the large stones marking the path. Abdullah used to return home from Al-Arj after the sun had declined from midday. Why? Why at that time? So that he would pray Zuhur in that mosque. So it shows that he 
travel that particular time so that he could catch a particular salah at a particular place. And this teaches us a lesson that sometimes we're going somewhere and we know that we will have to perform a certain salah. Right? Because the time will come shortly, very soon. So if you know that there is a masjid close by, then for example, you have to go to a store, for instance. One is closer to a masjid and one is not. So which one should you choose to go to? The one that is closer to a masjid or closer to a place where you can pray. Because it shows the importance that is to be given to salah. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَزَلَ عِنْدَ صَرَاحَاتٍ عَنْ يَسَارِ الطَّرِيقِ فِي مَسِيلٍ دُونَ هَرْشَا ذَلِكَ الْمَسِيلُ لَاسِقٌ بِكُرَاعِ هَرْشَا بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الطَّرِيقِ قَرِيبٌ مِنْ غَلْوَةٍ وَكَانَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ يُصَلِّي إِلَى سَرْحَةٍ هِيَ أَقْرَبُ الصَّرَاحَاتِ إِلَى الطَّرِيقِ وَهِيَ أَطْوَلُهُنَّ عبد الله بن عمر related that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rested at the surge trees at the left of the road in the riverbed below Harsha. That slope joined the foot of Harsha about a bow's shot from the road. Abdullah used to pray at the surge tree which was nearest the road. It was the tallest of them. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ كَانَ يَنْزِلُ فِي الْمَسِيلِ الَّذِي فِي أَدْنَى مَرِّ الظَّهْرَانِ قِبَلَ الْمَدِينَةِ حِينَ يَهْبِطُ مِنَ الصَّفْرَوَاتِ يَنْزِلُ فِي بَطْنِ ذَلِكَ الْمَسِيلِ عَنْ يَسَارِ الطَّرِيقِ وَأَنْتَ ذَاهِبٌ إِلَى مَكَّةَ لَيْسَ بَيْنَ مَنْزِلِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَبَيْنَ الطَّرِيقِ إِلَّا رَمْيَةٌ بِحَجَرٍ Abdullah bin Umar related that the Prophet ﷺ used to rest at the slope which was closer to Marra Zahran towards Medina where it descends from the small valleys. He would rest on the flat of that slope to the left of the road when you were going to Makkah. We can hardly imagine. There is only a stone's throw between where the Messenger of Allah ﷺ rested and the road. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ بْنِ عُمَرَ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ كَانَ يَنْزِلُ بِذِي طُوَى وَيَبِيتُ حَتَّى يُصْبِحَ يُصَلِّ الصُّبْحَ حِينَ يَقْدَمُ مَكَّةَ وَمُصَلَّى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ ذَلِكَ عَلَىٰ أَكَمَةٍ غَلِيظَةٍ لَيْسَ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ الَّذِي بُنِيَ ثَمَّ وَلَكِنْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ عَلَىٰ أَكَمَةٍ غَلِيظَةٍ Abdullah bin Umar related that the Prophet ﷺ used to rest at Zutuwa and spend the night there until morning when he would pray subh when he was going to Makkah. So he rested there, he would pray fajr and then he would go to Makkah. The place where the Messenger of Allah ﷺ prayed was a great mound which is not inside the mosque which was built there but is lower down. So how the people besides Abdullah bin Umar even they had an idea about where the Prophet ﷺ stopped and prayed. But Abdullah bin Umar he knew the exact location. So even though the people built a masjid around that area he differed with them. He said no. place where the Prophet ﷺ prayed is different. It's lower down. وَأَنَّ عَبْدَ اللَّهِ حَدَّثَهُ أَنَّ نَبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ اسْتَقْبَلَ فُرْضَتَيِ الْجَبَلِ الَّذِي بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ الْجَبَلِ الطَّوِيلِ نَحْوَ الْكَعْبَةِ فَجَعَلَ الْمَسْجِدَ الَّذِي بُنِيَ ثُمَّ يَسَارُ الْمَسْجِدِ بِطَرَفِ الْأَكَمَةِ وَمُصَلَّى النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ أَسْفَلَ مِنْهُ عَلَى الْأَكَمَةِ السَّوْدَاءِ تَدْعُو مِنَ الْأَكَمَةِ عَشْرَةَ أَذْرُعٍ أَوْ نَحْوَهَا ثُمَّ تُصَلِّي مُسْتَقْبِلًا فُرْضَتَيْنِ مِنَ الْجَبَلِ الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَ الْكَعْبَةِ Abdullah related that the Prophet ﷺ faced the two gaps in the mountain between him and the tall mountain towards the Kaaba. He put the mosque that was built to the left of the mosque at the end of the mound. The place where the Prophet ﷺ prayed was lower than it. 
on the black mound located 10 cubits or thereabouts from the other mound he prayed there facing the two gaps in the mountain between him and the kaaba amazing we can hardly imagine what is described over here because first of all the places are unfamiliar then the descriptions that are given even we're not used to such descriptions but it just shows the eagerness of the companions and the attention that they paid to the actions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and imam bukhari dedicates an entire bab on this the masajid that were eventually built on these places and the exact locations where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam prayed and this teaches us an important lesson that when you're traveling don't just pray you know at a place that is designated for salah for example you know you stop at a city you go to that masjid and you pray there not just there but also on the way right if you can stop your car onto the side and pray you know it will really leave good memories in your mind inshallah and every time you pass by that place you'll remember remember as children we had to travel a lot because we had relatives all over so we had to travel back and forth quite frequently and every time there was time to pray salah we would always stop sometimes by a water well sometimes on the side of the road or something of that sort and i i still remember those places you know that is where we stopped and prayed that is where we stopped and prayed this salah and in this we also prayed salah in many different masajid as well so whether it's a masjid or not a masjid whatever is possible pray salah that sometimes certain places are designated for prayer and they may be very far from where you are you really have to take a you know a different route in order to go there and you would lose a lot of time so save yourself time and pray wherever you are because the entire earth is a masjid and you'll be amazed you know when you think about it that yes we prayed right by the water we prayed under a tree we prayed on the grass hmm? we prayed on the road we prayed here we prayed there making all these places inshallah a witness for you on the day of judgment one is that you pray on a prayer mat on a carpet whether it's in your house or in a masjid and the other is that you pray on the grass on the mud it brings you a different feeling one is that you pray inside indoors and the other is that you pray outside it brings about a completely different feeling so experience that feeling as well i remember once we were in northern pakistan and it's a very mountainous area and we happened to be by a river and there were huge huge rocks in the middle of that river and we saw a man praying on one of the rocks as as if he went in the middle of the river got on top of a rock and prayed salah over there and he was just watching him that that rock inshallah will be a witness for him on the day of judgment feeling is completely different when you're praying in the rain when you're praying in the sun when you're praying in the shade it's a completely different feeling and when your focus is the salah then you forget about the cold and the weather and the sun that we discussed this earlier as well that it is a means of dawa to other people sometimes we don't have the confidence to talk to them or if we do talk to them how much can we say to them but if we're praying and they watch you praying then then they see what this religion is about right so never hesitate in performing salah when the time comes in wherever you are if you are able to go to the masjid and if you're not able to then pray wherever you are doesn't matter where you are inside outside in front of people at school at work wherever try to find the most private place inshallah we'll conclude over here subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh